Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Welcome to the Guest Awakens, presented by Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. I'm very excited today. Welcome in an awesome person. Uh, and join this person's Patreon if you get the chance. She's a composer, a DJ, a former member of the World Girls, and a former host on the movie Trivia Showdown. It's Dorina Ariano. Hola, Dorina. Hola, Brennan. How's it going? Thanks for having me. And it's going good. Going good. I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm excited to. I'm honestly mostly did this just to hang out and talk with you. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's <laughs> how I like to do these things. And let's say I like your shirt. And for those of you who are listening, Nina's got a Donkey Kong shirt. Oh yeah, the original Donkey Kong. But it's see, it's a uh, it's Donkey Kong, but combined with young John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, that's a good. That I like that. I like yeah. that. Yes, yeah, so uh, Donkey Kong is the thing, <laughs> literally. Yes, I just saw the movie for the first time all the way through last year. What'd you think? It's creepy, but it's awfully good. Yeah, it's oh, excellent. It's my favorite John Carpenter. Oh, it is? Yeah, that's yeah. a good choice. That's a good choice. And no one can wear facial hair like Kurt Russell. I mean, he's rocking the beard. He's the coolest. He is. He really is. So, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, because this is a Star Wars podcast, we're going to start with a couple of Star Wars questions. So, to begin with, how did you get introduced to Star Wars? Um, I am an. Uh, I was born in the early '80s, so I got to see the original trilogy on TV a lot. Um, mm. as a kid and so um i was obsessed with it i'm not brennan knows this i'm not as big of a fan now of any of the modern stuff but i was obsessed with the orig original trilogy as a kid i um in fact i think the first one i remember watching with my brother with my older brother was uh return of the jedi so that's okay. the most vivid memory i have um and and then as I got a little older, I really appreciated uh, Empire Strikes Back, even though I think as a kid, my favorite was Jedi. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of kids, Jedi was the favorite because it had like everything in it that Star Wars did. It had the goofy stuff, it had the serious stuff, it had big battles and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. Yeah, like because it's not just the Ewoks. It's I think it's the probably the best space battle in the entire franchise, um, possibly in all of cinema history. Possibly. It's so exciting that you know the Lando and what's his name in space, and um, the combination of that space battle with like what's going on with Luke and the Emperor and Darth Vader. Like it's just really, and obviously what's going on, on the ground with the rebels, like. It's just a really fun action movie. It is. It is indeed. Um, I'm, I'm about the same age as you, so 
for me, it was the VHSs. Mm. Yeah. Um, we had Star Wars and Return of the Jedi on VHS. Empire was taped off the television with the last, like, three minutes missing. So, you know, it, that was sort of my first exposure to it. But yeah, I remember they used to show it on TV all the time. Yeah, uh, and then also where you know, I'm from, uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm from Mexico. So um, a lot of it, if it wasn't subtitled, it would be dubbed in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So that was also interesting and funny to like, you know, figure out what their names would be and how they would say them, right? So so Yoda was Yoda, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jabba was pretty much the same, just Jabba. Yeah, yeah that must have been rather interesting not to hear it in Spanish. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I remember that it was just, you know, it was that era of TV or DHS. That's what you had. Um, so then what would be your favorite Star Wars movie? Easily Empire Strikes Back. That hasn't changed. I, 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 I know I just said I don't really love any uh, modern Star Wars, but I do actually really love um, Andor as a series. Yes. Um, oh, yes, I think that's probably the thing I I really liked the most since that original trilogy or Rogue One, and mm -hmm. uh, and M it it just had I bring that up because Empire to me is the most like maybe to some people it's slow to me it's the most philosophical yeah about the way it treats the Force you know and 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 that whole you know uh, Dagobah with Luke and Yoda and Yoda teaching him about the force just really impacted me as a kid and like everything that Yoda said and taught him. And, and um, I just, it was just a really beautiful mythological way of, of looking at, 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 you know, the power of nature, right. And the power of the universe mm -hmm. and the power and the power within us as humans. Um, and it's, you know, also, I think, um, I just really liked Irvin Kershner's direction as well yes. as the dialogue. It's probably the best one. I think it was, it was Lawrence Kasdan with Lee Brackett. I think that wrote it uh, that yeah. wrote the screenplay. Was, with a little bit of input from George. Yeah. Right. So I feel like that's, you know, it's the, even the relationship, the, even the romance, right. With Han and Leia is funny and mm -hmm. entertaining, right. It's not cringy. <laughs> a lot of the modern yeah. romance dialogue. So it just has everything. It's, it's so great. It also has probably my favorite Star Wars score. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. I had a hard time deciding which Star Wars score to put on my list because I love them all. Um, yeah, Empire, I, I feel the same way. It's my favorite as Star Wars film. And I think it really expanded the universe in such a wonderful way that um, it's, it. I mean, I said this on my letterbox review it's the golden standard for sequels totally every sequel is compared to empire strikes back and the good the good sequels are often very similar to empire which is interesting yeah yeah because you're really you know you're definitely fleshing out the characters you're you don't necessarily have this happy ending right like it's more about the, the yeah. first one the characters meet and Kind of try to figure out how to work with each other and 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 what the goal of you know the whole uh 
rebellion is. And then in the second one, oh, we're here now. Like this is actually happening. And that's when you're, that's when life happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then I must ask, who is your favorite Star Wars character? I knew you were going to ask this, and it's still so hard. <laughs> it's like, it's you so have weird. More than one, if you yeah, want. because like, it, it's so funny how uh, that's a hard question because, again, like, I always go back to Yoda. Mm-hmm. That, that's always my first stop because he's, again, just the coolest. And um, I relate to him, in the, not because he's so cool and smart, but because he just lives in his little you know, planet and Dagobah mm-hmm. alone. And I feel like that's how I want to retire. I want to live alone amongst nature. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, also, I mean, I think when I was a kid, um, I mean, obviously I had a, I had, you know, my, my little girl crush on Harrison Ford. So well, yeah. mm-hmm. I just liked how Han was, you know, not so much falling into believing everything the group said right he was a little skeptical and Mm -hmm. and and so um and funny in 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 a way that was more rebellious and i appreciated that as as somebody who didn't like to go along with the the crowd right um now i'm like now now i look at him and i'm like he needs therapy (laughs) yeah exactly i think all kids go through the phase where they realize console is kind of full of it yeah (laughs) yeah um and then also, I think um, uh, another one I gravitated a lot towards was uh, Obi Wan, um, mm-hmm. the Alec Guinness yeah. um, portrayal. Oh yes, the Oscar-nominated portrayal. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there's nobody cooler in that movie. You know. No. It's just. Uh, I mean, Sir Alec Guinness is just a cool guy. He really yeah. is. Yeah. No, those are good choices. Very good. Um, Do you have a, a set favorite always? Palpatine, not because oh, I really? like him, right? No, because I like how evil and diabolical he is. He's he's a he's a really good villain. That's uh, even though it's a fantasy tale, it's obviously there's so much authoritarianism and greed in the world that it's easy to believe that somebody like that exists, yeah. right? Well, then, yeah, they they, they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I won't say names, but uh, I love that he <laughs> that he's like the puppet master. It's like pulling on the strings, and I love that 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 Ian McDermott has played this character for forty years. You know, it's amazing to me that that that's happened. Um, so I, I enjoy his evil Machiavellian political maneuvering. I like that. Yeah. The actor is great, for yeah. sure. And he was only 37 years old when he played him originally. That's weird. It he is. Like, he was like my age doing it. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, so uh, I always like to throw in a bonus question. What Star Wars planet would you want to live on? I think Endor. I already answered that. Endor. Endor, not Dagobah. Okay. No, no, no. If I get to pick, and I just picked Dagobah because he's alone. He's nobody's bothering oh, him. I see. But Endor is beautiful. Like Endor yeah. is like it's a yeah. forest, and you see this, you know, the 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 night sky is full of stars. I mean, it's just it's gorgeous and hasn't been that messed up by the Empire. Yeah, and of course you wouldn't want to piss off the Ewoks. 
No, I'd be friends with the Ewoks. Yeah, we'd be, we'd be partying it up. It'd be great. Because we know what happens to people who get on their bad side. Exactly. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind. You know, if it was fascist, I'd eat them. With you know, I'd be yeah. a cannibal with with the Ewoks too, and eat the stormtroopers. <laughs> but you're right; they do throw the best parties. They do. Yeah, I DJ you know, for them, so yes. we'd be we'd be set. And you do a great job because you do a great job. Thank you. All right, so that's sort of our in, our Star Wars intro. Today's topic is our favorite film scores. Um, and I think both of us have a ton of films that we love the music of. So I'll start with our guest, uh, Darina. Do you have any, I don't know if you call them runners up or right, ones like, that you uh, wanted to touch on briefly? Or honorable mentions? Yeah. And this, and I mean, just uh, just in case people don't know, I am a huge soundtrack like nerd collector. Mm-hmm. Like it's my biggest passion. I've been con- collecting them since I was a kid. I'm obsessed with film music, so it's hard to come up with like a few top ones because mm-hmm. there's so many. But um, I think uh, I just did an episode for my radio show where. I'm trying to do one film score episode a month. And so I've yeah. done, I've did synth. It was really fun. It was really oh, I'm, good. I'm glad you think so. So, and you know, we did synth scores and mm-hmm. like we recently did romantic movies. Um, yep. And it reminded me of how much I love uh, uh, on a modern side, um, the uh, Phantom Thread soundtrack. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause okay. that's, that's uh, it's from the, it's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. That came out a few years ago. I guess Daniel Day Lewis is. It's it's it, it's a weird one. Like most people love, you know, there will be blood or the master. Yeah. Phantom yeah. Threads like a dark rom com. So I was okay. just very very surprised by it. And it's Daniel Day Lewis's last movie. Yeah. But the the score was composed by Johnny Greenwood, who's a yes. member of of uh, Radiohead. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. So uh, and it's just the movie's supposed to be a dark comedy um but the score is like a old school beautiful romantic orchestral uh, score he did such okay. a good job with it yeah it's really good yeah johnny greenwood is magnificent as composer um but there will be blood score was amazing that's a very good choice um, yeah that's it i i've got a few I, i'll just mention really quick I have to mention Lord of the Rings scores. Howard Shore, I mean, wrote what eleven and a half hours of music. It just is creates this world. It's so out there and just so so like beautiful because it's such an epic score. Yeah, and bringing the world of Middle Earth to life through music. That's really extraordinary. Totally. And um, I think my favorite of hit the whole series is uh, Two Towers, mainly because the yeah. um, I love Gollum's song. Oh, and, yes. Like, I, just, I just love, uh, I'll, like, I love a lot of the motifs from the early stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the ring motif is really pretty and eerie. Yes. Oh, but yes. Gollum's song is, like, heartbreaking <laughs> like if you really it listen is. to it, it it's is. 
it's so it's so sad and 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 Howard Shore's music for it was gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a genius. I mean, there's no way around it. Um, I also have to mention the the score for the 1982 film The Dark Crystal. Nice. Um, Who did that one? You know, I I don't know. Uh, Trevor Trevor Jones. Oh, okay. I, I cool. Forgetting his name for a minute there. That's another example of how to create something so weird and out there with music. And uh, I think, I mean, not only do I love the movie, the score is so weird and so um, unusual that I can't think of a movie that quite feels like that. I mean, the right, score kind of, creates some of that. It kind of fits the actual movie because Jim Henson movies aren't necessarily normal. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I also have to mention, I mean, Hans Zimmer uh, is a, Hans Zimmer is a composer who I could have picked any of his films. But special mention has to be made of Gladiator, mm -hmm. Inception, and Interstellar. Interstellar might be his best score. I think it is. Yeah. I'm glad you brought him up so I didn't have to pick like five of his scores. Uh, yeah. but, but I got lucky and was able to see him live and with his um, musicians and a lot of them uh, were in studio with him recording for some of these movies that that he made. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, like the drummers from Man of Steel were there. Like it was it was really cool. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah, seeing Interstellar live specifically, like I mm -hmm. think actually J Johnny Marr showed up uh, from the Smiths, the guitar player, yeah. to, oh, yes. to play uh, Inception. Uh, so that was cool. But Interstellar live was just like it makes you feel it's like this crazy transcendental emotion that goes through yeah. the audience i'm sure it was just gorgeous to hear live it was so so cool it, the movie is uh, with the music i think the movie and the music are a it's almost a religious experience it's so strange that's the power of music yeah. it makes it, it yeah. it's like nature it makes you feel like there's something out there you know bigger than ourselves yeah and you're right about tr being transcendent that really is what it is um, so I had to mention that. Um, and I have like so many more I could name. Mm -hmm. But just for the sake of simplicity, that's uh, that's it. Though I do want to mention one person. I do have one of this person's scores on my top list. But the reason I'm into film music as a big fan, I think Looking back, it all goes back to when I was probably three or four years old. Seeing The Land Before Time. Hmm, yeah. Watching the VHS to death. James Crying. Horner, <laughs> yes. James Horner. We sadly lost 10 years ago. Was, I think, one of the greatest composers ever. And particularly for kids of our generation, uh, like his scores were some of the most, I think, influential on me as a kid. 
Man Before Time, An American Tale. Later, he does Titanic and the Mask of Zorro and Apollo 13 and just... So, I had to mention him. Yeah. And we'll talk We'll talk about my favorite score from him. But I think... That, like, if I'm... If I hear that, um... Like, Casper score. Yeah, that's... I was actually just gonna say that's my favorite of his. Yeah, and it, uh, I probably would turn into a puzzle. Yeah, that, that that is... Even just rewatching the movie for like fun nostalgia purposes because I loved mm-hmm. that movie. It was such a fun movie as like a young, you know, yeah. teenage girl, especially somebody obsessed with Christina Ricci. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> I I I just had such a good time watching the movie. But even watching the movie, just anytime that little piano comes in, I'm like, oh, oh mm. it's it's that emotional piano score. Yeah, that you know, it it's. I was talking to my a friend of mine about nostalgia you just it it just i hear that piano bit and i am it it it, the emotion and the nostalgia is so powerful yeah similar to uh hearing this the the violin in an american tale oh yes yes yeah i i i I dare anyone of our age To listen to somewhere out there and not turn into a puddle. <laughs> exactly. So do you have any other runners up? Um, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you, uh, I mean, <laughs> you definitely mentioned uh, you know, Hans Zimmer. It, it's so weird that I don't I'm one of those people that hasn't even fin I don't even think I've seen Interstellar the whole way. I just the, mm-hmm. I I do this thing where soundtracks come out from composers yeah. that I like, and I will listen to them even if I never end up watching the movie. So mm, that that does happen, yeah. Because uh, some people will, you know, like or uh, scores based on what they experience in the theater, right? But I'm, you know, I'm such so music oriented that I listen to scores even yeah. before that. So um, I remember um, one of the scores that I had to listen to was. Um, I, I I guess Suspiria, the both movies and uh, both soundtracks are some of my favorite ever. And I think I would put I think I would put the first Suspiria soundtrack on like one of my tops of all time. So the okay. the sequel, uh, which was written by uh, Tom York, mm-hmm. also from Radiohead, mm-hmm. I thought was really great. I thought he did a great job, and it's so creepy. And some of the songs are actually really beautiful and sad and uh, yeah. very different than what Goblin did in the original. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that's a good choice. I know that um, you just mentioned where it's like sometimes the soundtrack is more interesting than the movie. Um, I just listened to the Memoirs of the Geisha soundtrack. Yeah, by John Williams, right? By John Williams, and it was gorgeous. I'd never yeah. seen the movie. Um, I'd never seen the film, but I loved the score. All right. Yeah. Um, so, any, any more you want to mention before we sort of jump in? Um. Yeah, I guess Um. the other one that uh, popped into my head, I'm trying to think. Um, so I just had it when you mentioned when we were talking about Tom York. Um. Because, oh, yeah, uh, so I love um, 
Thomas Newman. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and because he, I played him, uh, I played a, a, a few of his on the synth scores one, and mm-hmm. um, I just love what he does with synths uh, combined with the piano. And, and so American Beauty, uh, yes. Wally, Finding yes. Nemo, there's a lot of really gorgeous, unique sounding music that he's, that he's brought to us. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. The scores in those three movies are magnificent. Yeah. And I think, you know, Wooly is such an unusual score. Wow. Because it has, like, it has, like, these really, like, like technological sounding. But then the love theme for Eve is just gorgeous. It's so pretty when they're, I think there's that track called Define Dancing where they're literally yeah. dancing around space. It's That's gorgeous. probably my favorite piece that Thomas Newman ever wrote. It's great. It's just gorgeous. And about um, Finding Nemo, interesting you mentioned that. The score is magnificent. And I got to see Finding Nemo at the Pixar headquarters. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was part of the group that got to go and see the movie in their theater. And it's one of my favorite movies. It's just gorgeous. All right. So we come down kind of to our top scores. And and I usually go with five, but it's kind of an arbitrary number. But I'll let you go first with kind of your... We'll call it number five, even if it isn't. I was going to say, are we starting with like our favorite favorite or our... Are like sort of favorite. <laughs> if you have a favorite, favorite, probably at the end we'll do that one. Okay, cool. Um, so I mean, I already mentioned it, so I might as well mention the original Suspiria. Um, okay. Yeah, because uh, Goblin, who's a progressive rock band that mm-hmm. worked a lot with Dario Argento, the oh, yes. the director, like it's just such a unique thing they did, and they kind of mm-hmm. were coming off of that. It was like the late seventies. Mm-hmm. So they, so they, it was so cool to hear them, you know, play with a full rock band, but then also add, you know, electronic keyboards. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, I think that movie, I don't know if many people love the actual movie itself or the story, but you can't deny how good it sounds and how good it looks. Like yeah, visually, oh yes. oh it's yes. art, visually stunning. And, um, and, it look it just the score like every other score should lift up a movie right and it really mm-hmm. does and even how they add the little size um during the beginning theme mm-hmm. uh with yeah. the little like creepy piano um and it's just they it, they did such a cool job i don't think any other horror soundtrack sounds like that mm-hmm. that's a good choice i mean i think that the one thing we can always trust about Dario Argento is that even if these movies aren't great, they're going to look good and then they're going to sound pretty good. Um, that one in particular sounds pretty amazing. And particularly when you're dealing with like the horror, more creepy subjects, the music can add a lot to that. Yeah. So that's a very good choice. That's a very good choice. Um. So for me, if I had to go with the number five, it's a more recent film. My favorite film in the last few years has been The Batman from Matt nice. Reeves. 
the score to that by Michael Giacchino, or Giacchino, I should say, is maybe one of the most unique superhero scores. Um, the decision to do the Batman theme, mostly piano, is, is a really gutsy decision. Right. With with doing this like very simple, very very direct, dun 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 dun, dun you know, like that. Yeah, like uh, it, minimalism, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Michael Giacchino is is definitely someone who does more straightforward movie scores, and this one works so well. And I also think the um, the Catwoman theme. Which is mostly on violin is gorgeous, and uh, I I kind of have the crush on Zoe Kravitz. So who doesn't? I mean, yeah, I mean, good, great. And who would have thought that Robert Pattinson would go from Twilight to playing Batman? <laughs> um, from a from a fake vampire to a real bat. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the score there, I, I think it's Michael Giacchino's best score. I was a little bummed it didn't get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. But I think that the movie itself and the music, I mean, the music adds so much to it. These kind of dark gothic themes. That I think it's the best Batman score. Ooh, I'm going to fight you on that one. It's kind of blasphemous to say. No, it's not. You should. Everybody... Art is subjective, but I but I will fight you on that one with my number four pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, the Batman I think is my number five. I know it's new, but when I saw it in the theater, I'm like, I'm like, I gotta get this score. This is so good. Yeah, really great. And it really added, as you said, it lifted the move. Yeah, right, especially so because let's... it was also a very visual. Least yeah. stunning movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's wade into battle here with your number four. <laughs> well, you, Brennan, you know what my favorite Batman movie is. I think Spe- I know. Speaking of another Catwoman. Oh, go figure. Batman Returns, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's... uh. I will always have a soft spot for that movie. It just changed my life as a kid. And I just, Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer, there's just nothing like that. It's Um, true. Those two together. But, uh, but I, one of, you know, you mentioned James Horner and he totally composed the soundtrack to a lot of our childhoods. Um, And Mm -hmm. another person that did that for me as like a little goth living in Mexico was Mm -hmm. Danny, Danny Elfman. You know, Danny Elfman was, he, I love his Beetlejuice score. His Edward Scissorhands score is gorgeous. Oh, yes. Um, it's that I stands with the choir oh, is just all word. talk about, you know, turning into a puddle. Yeah. Uh, but the but the Batman theme is iconic. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's it's just as iconic as John Williams Superman te- theme. Yep, I agree. And the similarly you mentioned the Catwoman theme in the newer bat the batman i love um selena transforms in the batman return soundtrack oh, like yeah. 
like yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Kyle, like her theme is just, I, I think both um, James Newton Howard, who did the the Dark Knight Rises? Was it also Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard? Yeah, did they I both do so. it? I so, so I think both of them and Michael Giacchino all were inspired or influenced by that original Catwoman theme that Danny Elfman made uh, with the creepy, very, you know, uh, atonal strings. It's mm-hmm. so cool. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite villain theme. Yeah. And, and of course, everybody had a crush on Michelle Piper because she was really hot in that. I mean, um, she, I, there's nobody hotter. It's <laughs> like Zoe Kravitz, I guess, is like is 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 that hot too? But man, the 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 way they wrote her character and the way she owned that was just that her and Michael Keaton were so hot together. They were indeed. I mean, it's it's a good score. I mean, you're, you're right. I think that that as much as I love the Batman score, it all goes back to Denny Elfman. Because that Batman score, everyone knows it immediately. They yeah. know that that's Batman theme. And, and I mean, don't you miss as much as I think, like you said, the Michael Giacchino one is great. Like a lot of superhero movies nowadays don't have those memorable themes as much as we used to yeah, back in the day. That's true. It's true. I mean, the Superman theme, the Batman theme. I mean, for back then, it was just like. Like, this is, like, amazing because we all recognize it. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, all right. Uh, my number three, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, James Horner, who was, like, the, the musical voice of our childhoods. Um, and shout out to his Star Trek scores. I just have to say that. Yeah, I love Wrath of Khan. Yes. Oh, yes. But the score to me that has the most, like, nostalgic power. And one that I listen to again and again. It's the 1991 film, The Rocketeer. Really, really good. That score is beautiful. It's got a lot of the old-fashioned kind of charm to it. Yet again, another great piano score. Yeah. And the... The romantic theme is like that classic Hollywood sweeping romance thing. Yeah, I love Jenny's theme on the piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you also have these little declamatory themes for the villains. It's it's not exactly a subtle movie. The the score is equally unsubtle. It's so beautiful and particularly the main thing, and I learned an interesting story about it. So when they were editing the movie, you know, it had no score yet. It was just a rough cut. And the opening scene, the executives thought it was too long. Of course they did. So they said, we'll cut that one out. But then as soon as they heard James Horner's score, they went, put the footage back in. Yeah, it works perfectly. So they liked it once they're at school. They realized that it was okay. So that longer opening scene, because the main theme is so good. Um, 
like I said, another bad piano heavy theme. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just one of those when I hear it, it, it just, you know, it's all those nostalgic memories. I've watched that movie so many times, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, you said it was 91? I think so. Yeah, because I, I actually played the main flying theme on, um, I think when I did the Heroes and Villains episode. And that's right, you did. You did. And, yeah, and, and I noticed that you're like, I love this. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm yeah. I was very excited. I was very excited. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the... I guess most hopeful sounding of the heroes. Yeah, I agree. In, in within the heroes genre, you know, because I, as you mentioned, that piano, because um, it's easy to go into, or not easy, but um, a lot of scores or themes, especially main themes that are written in a major key, um, can sound kind of, I guess, what a music snob like me would call basic. <laughs> Yeah, and and this one's just uh, it's so uplifting and and uh, it really does remind you of the Rocketeer flying through the clouds, right? Oh and, yes, yeah, it's a great job by by James. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Jenny's theme. I mean, Jennifer Connelly is, I mean, she's gorgeous. I mean, she just is. Yeah, I've had a crush on her since that since seeing that movie. Who doesn't? Or, or even in Labyrinth, like kind of, like, she's kind of cute, yeah. And she's still hot. Oh my word! I mean, Top Gun Maverick. Whoa. Yeah, she does yoga here. I'm like, good. I'm glad I'm doing yoga. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I mean, she looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, but and just the score is so much fun. It's got the more emotional moments. Then it's got the just pure, like pulpy action adventure. Yeah, again, we don't get scores like yeah. I guess we don't get those big orchestral in your face scores as as often nowadays. Which I guess yeah. is why I like that Phantom Threat score because a lot of scores nowadays are more so background no noise. Yeah, it's, that's true. That, it's unfortunate that that's the case um, because I think that that a score, a lot of scores. I like it when they're in your face. Yeah. There's something just fun about that. Um, it, it just has an energy to it that just is like, oh, this is awesome. Totally. Um, so what is your number three if we had to rank them? So the other guy that scored my childhood uh, is Mr. Alan Menken. Yes. Who was yes. a... Howard Shore's songwriting partner for a lot of Disney movies, as well as like they did Little Shop of Horrors together. Um, by the oh, way, you mean, Howard, you mean uh, Howard Ashman? Not Howard Shore, sorry. Yeah, Howard Ashman. We we're just talking I was about Howard say. Shore. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool though if they got together and be. did something. It would be. I mean, we have to talk about Howard Ashman. Yeah, no, Howard Ashman is like. So I brought Alan Menken up to bring up also Howard Ashman. By the way. Yes. If any of y'all out there have uh, Disney Plus, the Howard documentary is oh, yes. beautiful. It's beautiful. It's Highly beautiful. recommend because this man was an incredibly talented lyricist and his story is both very beautiful and sad because he passed away so young. 
Yeah, uh, but true. what him and Alan Menken accomplish is, I mean, that's it, doesn't it, happen anymore. It hasn't been replicated. It has not been no. replicated. No, Little Shop of Horrors is literally my favorite musical because yes. of them. <laughs> um, and and Alan Menken also just wrote uh, not just beautiful music to Howard's lyrics, but incredible scores. And I think one of the most underrated is one of my favorites, which is Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes, 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 yes. Just gorgeous stuff. Like the way that that score so many times. Right? It's not just the songs that are cool, but the score is just thrilling. I mean, that opening um uh choir with the where you the bells of Notre Dame, where you literally hear hear the bells from the church and and the choir comes in, it's my god. You you get that shot of Notre Dame sticking up above the clouds. I mean I mean, and then the big bells and just the, particularly that intro you know, where Copeland is singing about the, yeah. the story, the backstory. Um, yeah, the, the bells of Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is an underrated score. It is so gorgeous. I love the Latin choir music. Yes. I really love it. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. It's kind of the that's a funny thing because I would call myself a rather religious person. Right. But I like the way that it's used kind of in a creepy way. Right. In in Hunchback. Um there's a really uplifting holy music. Yes. And then and... there's ones that sound scary. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's so cool about Alan, how he ended up being able to do this gorgeous music. Like for you know, like, you know, I grew up catholic but then went full atheist (laughs) and now i'm just a spiritual you know but i believe in the in nature type of person but when i saw that movie as a a kid that um how could you not believe that something bigger exists just with the music right like it's a that like you said the intro bells of notre dame there's also this instrumental track on the cd if you guys have spotify or or any sort of Apple music or whatever that's called the bell tower. Um, and I recommend you listen to that because it's, it's kind of a recap or, or remix of all of the motifs within the movie. Oh, I um, haven't listened to it. So I need to go do that. Yeah. So the bell tower, it's my favorite track on the whole score. And um, it's got strings, piano, little bells, like all the things. It's just gorgeous. Let alone, like, like you said, there's darkness within too. Like hellfire is uh, oh, probably the, the heavens, heaven's light. And then segueing into Hellfire. Beautiful. Is, is, oh my word, it's, I think somebody once said, and I think I agree, this might be the best music Disney has ever done. Yes. Uh, And it's so funny because it starts with the Heaven's Light, which is so pure and so sweet. Yeah, where Quasimodo's. Yeah. Just talking about, uh, or singing about um, how he wishes he, He's part of the people, right? Yeah. From, he's looking up from his uh, from the tower, and and he's just he's saying he's like, um, uh, what's it called? That warm and loving glow. Like he's talking, he's seeing yeah. the people, the lovers walk by, and 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 seeing like I just met this woman who was kind to me, so now I can touch or see heaven's light. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and then it segues into this really dark piece, which is, I mean, I yeah, because. We have to give a shout out to Tony J's singing voice. Totally, Brennan. Is, and 
Yes. Frollo <laughs> is the scariest Disney villain for oh, sure. Yes. yes, he is. Um, it's amazing that a villain with no magical powers, just a guy, could be scarier than... And maybe because he's more real. That's why he's right? scary. Yeah, because he's kind of behaving like a like a politician or like a politician combined with a priest that are both corrupt, right? Be, that are both yeah. serving them. He's he's serving himself versus who yeah. he's supposed to be. Uh, you know, God's a man of God, and he's clearly not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that for me, uh, that being a a religious person, whenever there's a character like that. I definitely find them evil because they're like that's the opposite of me, mm-hmm. or at least, or at least what I try to be. Of course, yeah, he's clearly not. You know, it, it, he's working for the church, but he's not working for the church. He's no, working no. for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, the, the particularly when the in the song when the the like hooded priest appear singing mea culpa yeah yeah and then you know mea culpa mea culpa you know it, it it's just it, not only is it very well animated yeah but the way the fire plays into the scene mm-hmm. but the music there is it, it's 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 some of the best it truly is. I again underrated when you think about it and you know it. You it's not as mentioned as like you know the Lion King or or Beauty and the Beast, which is also a great yeah, Alan Menken oh, yes. score. But yeah, Hunchback is up there for me. Yeah. Oh yes, it is gorgeous. Um, my number three is also sticking in an animated realm. Uh, a movie that I knew nothing about going in to see it, and came out going. Well, that was great, but that score was amazing. And that's How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yeah, so good. By John Powell. I listen to the score frequently. And the I've always loved that kind of Celtic-sounding music. Mm-hmm. So getting that... And there are some truly magnificent moments... Uh, particularly a piece called Test Drive, where Hiccup is riding Tuplets for the first time. And then there's the romantic theme, which is just like stunning, mm-hmm. stunningly gorgeous. And the main theme of the city of Burke is it, it really, to me, was really what gave the movie flight. If you'll pardon the pun, um, yeah, that really that score is what made it. I mean, the movie's good already, but the score elevates it. Agreed. To being just extraordinary level of just it's just so beautiful. It really is. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, there's this game on the. For VR on the Oculus, that's a uh, called Beat Saber, and I don't think I know that one. It's basically like one of those dance kind of games that um, you, but also kind of like a 
lightsaber <laughs> dance games because you're holding two remote controllers in your hands and you're trying to like mm-hmm. literally saber the beat right like you're trying to use your sabers yeah, on yeah. the beat and nice. and um and one of and i think it's test drive that's on there but it's so much fun to play to that theme because mm-hmm. it's so epic and yeah. and uh, pretty and it really it, it's so perfect for the purpose of thinking that you're flying with or on a dragon oh yeah oh yes um and i i, I just gotta say that, that that there's that flying theme and then there's the romantic theme which is funny because uh, so I don't know how the logic of this works, but I had more of the crush on America Torero because of her voice acting mm-hmm. and playing a character who looks nothing like her. Right. I had more of the crush on her just listening to her voice. Um, I got to mention I loved her and Barbie. I just have to say that. Um, She's great. Yeah, and I've always had kind of a crush on America Thrower. She's really cute. Again, who doesn't have a crush? I get yeah, it. I mean, good grief. Um, but I think that it really... It was one of those movies that I didn't really know anything going into it. I had no idea what to expect. And I come out of the theater going, that score is incredible. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's like in my top favorites. And it always has been. Yeah, I'm with you. I did not expect when I went to see the movie how much I would love it. Yes, indeed. So what is your number two? So um, this or did, is... Or did we, did we do your number three? Yeah. Remember. Yeah. So... Um, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, number two is uh, one of my favorite electronic duos ever. And that's uh, Daft Punk. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the amazing soundtrack that they did to Tron Legacy. Yes. <laughs> um, some people don't like the movie. I don't care what people think of the movie. The score is amazing. Shame on them. Shame on them. The score is amazing. It's it so is. good. It's so good. It's, oh, man, I wish they would do more scores because, mm-hmm. t- especially like action or sci-fi scores. I mean, oh, yeah. man, that's, it's so, so good. It's, it's a... Uh, it's just music that you can listen to that even if you've never seen the movie, the entire soundtrack is is uh very oh, pleasing yeah. to the ear and and there's some really like you know electronic tracks that are similar to what Daft Punk has put out there um as a band, right? Just like as, as yeah. a French yeah. house, you know, new disco band. Uh yep. but then there's also really cool orchestral things that they did, like uh, that um, I think the track is called Outlands Part Two or something like that, and and it's uh, it's strings, right? And so it's cool because mm-hmm. they really they're obviously excellent at beat making, right? Yes. So, oh, yes. so adding that to orchestral sounds was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you I love electronica. So when you were doing the the electronic and the synth music, I was like, okay, I'm in heaven, right? This is my kind of thing. And um, there's a certain feel to that kind of music. Yes. For some reason, makes me think of the 80s. Yes. And I think that that's, there's something about the 80s era of music, whether it be rock music 
or movie music or whatnot. And I love, and I kind of love it when I'm watching something modern and they have that kind of sound. Right. Totally. Stranger Things did that. Yeah. Um, Tron Legacy did that. Yeah, there's a lot of cool new electronic scores out there. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this, check out my uh, synth scores episode. I played a lot of that stuff and like oh, yeah. uh, Cliff Martinez's Neon Demon and uh, you know, even TV shows like Mr. Robot by Matt Quayle. There's a lot yeah. of good good electronic music out there for, for film. Nice. But yeah, you're right about Daft Punk. I mean, they are the masters of that. Um, Tron Legacy, which I have to admit, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I've listened to the score a lot. Yeah, that's kind of with like me and Interstellar. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's good stuff. It really is. Yeah. Sometimes the music's more interesting than the movie. So we come now to my number two, which yet is another. 1982 might have been one of the best years in cinema. Yes, it has. The year I was born. Oh, okay. All right. Awesome. That, that's good. Um, the The score to me that is one of the best I've ever heard. It's big, it's bombastic, it's epic. It's Conan the Barbarian by Basil Polidorus. Really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a movie. It's a visual experience very much. The score is one of the biggest, most bombastic pulse-pounding scores I can think of that just it's it, I just listen to it like all the time more than I watch the movie <laughs> and I it, it's so big and so bold I love that and if I were a filmmaker I would want to do a movie like Conan the Barbarian so I could justify having a big over the top score and that's a Polidorus, I think, is an underrated composer. I agree. That's a good one. He did movies like Robocop and The Hunt Red October, which is one of my favorites. Yes. One of my favorite movies. And then he um, did Starship Troopers, which is also a big, bombastic, over-the-top movie score. Right for a, no, over-the-top scores for over-the-top movies. Really good at that. Did he do? He did. Um, which RoboCop did he do? The the original. Nah, really? I thought he did I, like I a sequel. So. Oh, that's awesome! I love I that. I believe he did the first one. Yeah. Great. But uh, his score to Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. It's very operatic, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's got choir music. It's got big percussion and and horns and and. And drums and just like it's so big and and so many wonderful themes. Yeah. You have the theme of the of the sword, the riddle of steel. Uh-huh. You have the the one that probably my favorite piece in the movie. It's called Theology. It's where Conan and 
Subatai are discussing their gods. Uh-huh. Good, beautiful piece. The romantic theme uh, is, I mean, Conan and Valeria, it's gorgeous. Yeah, what's that one called in the soundtrack? It's like, is it Valeria Remembered or something like that? Yeah, there's that yeah. one, and then there's Wifing. Right. And then there's the orgy theme, and then there's the the writers of um the writers of Doom and the you know the James Earl Jones being amazing as always. As always. And with amazing hair, I should say in that movie. <laughs> totally. That eighties hair. Oh my word. Even yes. even if it's a sci fi or fantasy epic, they still had great hair. I did. They did. And and I love the music. I listen to it like constantly. Uh-huh. And it's it's so like it's 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 like preferred writing music. Mm-hmm. So if I'm writing, I'm gonna listen to that. Uh, I so love that's that. my number two. I I think Buzz of Holdorus knocks it out of the park with that. And and it's actually really funny because he went to USC with John Milius, the director. Uh-huh. Um, at the same time, a young George Lucas was at USC, and they all knew each other. And so it's funny how, you know, um, Milius and Polidorus are students together, and the next thing they know, a decade later, they're making a movie together. They're making some of the most epic stuff we've loved for oh, so long. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it to me is one of the best scores I think I've ever heard because of how ridiculous it is. Yeah, it really fits the epicness of Conan, especially with Arnold or starring Arnold, I mean. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The first time getting to use his own voice in a movie. It's kind of funny because the our main characters are at their best when they're not talking. And then you get James Earl Jones, Max Lancito, and Mako. Yeah. They can say whatever they want because they have amazing voices. Totally. So, all right. What is your number one, Dream? I feel like you're not surprised by this because it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, mainly hmm. because mm-hmm. my favorite movie of all time it, it is my favorite movie of all time and probably the biggest reason is because of the soundtrack um, and that's Blade Runner by yes. Mr. Mr. Vangelis yes. uh, Vangelis I guess if you say it that way um, who he just passed away a couple of years ago he did he did very sad yeah it's uh, another human that I was listening to his music since I was a kid and I had that Blade Runner soundtrack and probably scratched the crap out of the CD mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I listened to it so much. But I mean, the same way that Star Wars is not Star Wars without John Williams. Yeah. Blade Runner is not what it is without Vangelis. No, no a different um, score would just not work. No, and that's uh, the, I mean... No matter if you watched Blade Runner as a kid in the 80s or if you're watching it now, mm-hmm. the music always feel like it feels like it's in the sci-fi realm because of the instruments that he used, because of how, you know, it wasn't a, a typical 
uh, score with the same tempo and for, you know, uh, or for four by four, like uh BPM or whatever, like it was, it, you know, it, it's also not even a d- dissonant or a tonal. It's just, it's just sounds and ambient noises, yes. uh, right? Um, just the sound it, of the city. Exactly. Like he really made uh, dystopian, futuristic LA look like that, right? Like yeah. it just it just fit the cinematography um, that you know that this gorgeous movie had, and it's it's just uh, and it also has some beautiful melodic. Um, themes like the main, you know, tears and rain theme. Oh that, my word! Yes, that beautiful uh, uh, electronic keyboard or synth that they use, right? That da 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 da. da. Yes. It's so pretty. Oh my god! I, I that talk about becoming a puddle every time Roy Batty says his monologue. Oh my the... word! Yes. Yeah, I mean Roger Howard. I mean, nailed it in that scene. Yeah, did you know it was sort of, uh, he, like, improvised a little bit? Yeah, 100%. That's really amazing that he was able to do that. Apparently, the whole crew cried after they shot that. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, The the, the movie is so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I cannot tell you how happy it makes me that it's your favorite film. It's in my top favorites as well. Um, The the way that it creates this dystopian world with the music, with the art direction, with the cinematography, it's unlike anything I think I've ever seen. Um, the the themes from Angelus, Rachel's theme, it's so haunting and heartbreaking. The tears of the rain bit, the, the, the film noir saxophone, Oh my music. god, the the love theme. Oh yeah. Uh that yeah. saxophone that comes in. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, and just that, that film noir feeling with the kind of the futuristic feel. Just that it and the tears and rain and it, it's just like it's it's transcendent. It truly is. What it is. Yes. Um, and, and whenever I hear scores like that, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. and um, I think most people, I guess if they're fans of the movie, they would know the main theme and, and the love theme or the, the end title theme, which is really, I bet you Daft Punk loves it, right? Like the more yeah, high speed, like, like that, it's so good. Uh, really good electronic music, but but if you sit and really listen to the whole score, like like you mentioned, Rachel's song's beautiful with the little uh vocal that they add. Uh, Memories yeah. of Green, Blade Runner Blues is this whole epic, um, really um beautiful sad music because I think that's the one they show when Zora gets killed yeah. by by Deckard. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just great stuff. Like I have yet, I I don't think I'll ever hear another score or experience something like that that I'm like obsessed with. Yeah. And you're right about the the ambiance, you know, the city sounds. Yeah. Just just that sound is musical. 
Yes. Yeah, and it's just amazing that you know the sound of the the spinners going past the 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 buildings and just the and then you know the the, the as Vangelis does the electronic keyboard music and then that saxophone and then you're right the 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 vocal on Rachel's theme makes it even almost more tragic. Mm-hmm. And um, but I have to ask really quick, what did you think of the score through the sequel? I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, the the too. the movie in general, um, I I was very um, excited and worried, right? Because I'm like, okay, they're doing a sequel to my favorite movie, and sequels or reboots have not been great. So, yeah. um, but when I saw it, um, I was very pleased with the way it looked and the way mm-hmm. it sounded as well. Yes. So I was like, even if I don't love the story, at least the you know, Denis is clearly a huge fan of the original Blade Runner. Oh, really? And yeah. and it looked gorgeous. Groundbra- groundbreaking visuals, in my opinion. I'm so excited to watch the the, the Dune sequel. Yes, um, I've got my ticket. I'm going opening night. <laughs> same. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, and and I think what, what Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Walfish did um, was obviously not what Vangelis did, but but at least um, it was like a re- it was a very good tribute. Um, there's a couple of uh, tracks. I think it's Mesa and Joy that are beautiful, and I really, yeah. oh, really enjoyed yes. that soundtrack too. Yeah, um, Joy was a great character. I mean, Anadarmus. I mean, I mean, as as you say, good again, grief. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, wow. That's all I have to say. Um, so uh, now I have to mention really quickly, Vangelis. I just watched 1492 Conquest of Paradise. Um, nice. Great score. The less said about the movie, the better. Great score, though. Yeah, great score. All right, so my number one I had to be a Star Wars score, obviously. But the question narrowing it down, and in fact, if I had focused on John Williams, mm-hmm. this would have been a John Williams-centered episode. Right. Um, so, in all the Star Wars scores, and there's a lot of good ones, uh, and my uh, John Williams, and then there's the ones from the other composers, like Kevin Kiner and uh, Ludwig Goranson, and I forget who did the Andor score. Uh, that's Nicholas Bertel. Nicholas Bertel, that's right. Who did uh, Succession mm-hmm. and and uh, Moonlight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really good. So I had to narrow it down to just one. So for me, of all the John Williams scores, it's The Phantom Menace. Really good. I think that, I mean, obviously, The Empire Strikes Back probably is the best, I think. But in terms of my favorite, right? it's got to be The Phantom Menace. Yeah, Duel of the Fates is not, there's nothing like that. And in fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine. He's a lot younger than us. And I said, in those days, there was a show on MTV called Total Request Live. Yes, it was. And they played music videos. And the only, quote unquote, classical music music video they ever played was Duel the Things. <laughs> because even, even the people at the time who were not happy with the movie, 
nobody said a bad word about the school. Right. And and the idea that John Williams could come back using some of the same material, but create a whole new score. I mean, there's Anakin's theme, which is beautiful. Yeah, that has a little bit of the reminiscent of the Imperial March in there, even though it's like yeah. it's like a major key version of the Imperial March in minor. Like that's really cool what he did there. Yeah. And then you have the Duel of the Fates, obviously. And Jar Jar's theme, which say what you will about the character, the music for him. <laughs> right. The music for Jar Jar was fantastic. You have the Pod Race music. You have all these new themes. And I'm surprised that he didn't get an Oscar nomination. Well, surprised about that. the good news is he has a lot. <laughs> That's true. He doesn't need yeah. another one. No. Um, 54 nominations. Woo. Um, so to me, the Phantom Menace is my favorite Star Wars movie score. And probably my favorite film score ever. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's cool how yeah, again, I'm one of those, you know, Star Wars purists that maybe, I don't know if I was a little too old for the prequels, I don't know, but um, I didn't love them, and I still enjoy the crap out of the music. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really good. Even the other prequels, too. Like, I love that Across the Stars theme yes. from oh, from yes. the second one. Um, yeah, really good stuff. Um, but Duel of the Fates is so epic with that choir. Mm-hmm. And, and we had, I mean, there had been a little choir music in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. We hadn't seen like a full on yeah. choir piece in a Star Wars film. Although, that's honestly, regardless of any new Star Wars stuff that I that I don't love, the most mad I've ever been is when they got rid of Yup Nub. Oh, yes. All right. <laughs> long, live got, Yub, I, long live Yup Nub. I've got other opinions, <laughs> but I'll. I'll leave them out. <laughs> it's okay if you like the new song, but I'm like, bring back Yavna back. I lo- love it so much. I mean, Dancing Ewoks, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Or also Lefty Nick, another mm-hmm. banger that was taken away. So. Yes, that one I agree was like, that was a mistake. Yeah. But Lefty Nick was really good. But yeah, the Phantom Menace to me is it's so marvelous because it's so iconic. You know, you say that a lot of film scores get forgotten easily. That one that will never. Get that forgotten. one will never. That one will never. All right. Well, Darina, I got to thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Brendan. This was fun. I love talking music with you and, and nerding out on, on film scores. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I've loved film scores since I was too young to understand. Um, but the, the movie music is what I focus a lot on. It is. I think music is life changing, and no matter how bad things get, music is something that's a beautiful escape from life, and especially movie music. I'm with you. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and it really can lift us out of the. You know, the world has a lot of problems. Yeah, music can really, as they say, soothe the savage breast. Agreed. 
And I think that's absolutely right. Dorina, where can we find you? Um, as you said, I am no longer a world girl, but check them out still. They're still around, but I, I got my own music stuff going on and I have a radio show every week on Mixcloud. Um, and it's called, uh, it's literally just my DJ name, DJ Bruja. Uh, Brennan's over there and the chat is fun, uh, live every Tuesday around, um, happy hour taco Tuesday. So 6 PM Pacific. Yeah. Uh, I, I would highly recommend it to anyone listening. Please go follow it. It's really, it's been really fun doing that live every week. And then uh, I have a Patreon, uh, also patreon.com slash DJ Bruja. And we're doing uh, watch alongs there and DJ parties and a bunch of uh, fun music and witchcraft. I think I've heard of your Patreon. LOL. Brennan was the first patron. Yes, I was. As soon as I saw that announcement, I went, oh, Dorina's got a Patreon? Okay. We 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 seriously have a good time over there. Yes, we do. It's a, a y'all are great. It's a just beautiful, kind community nerding out on music and movies. Yep, that's what we do best. <laughs> yes. Wondering well, thank you so very much for joining me. Thanks today. for having me. Um, I, I I hope to have you on again at some point. Definitely. In the future, uh, and I I know that you're looking forward to Dune. And so am I. So we'll, we'll have to get their notes. For sure. But anyhow, well, thank you everyone for listening. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to the Guest Awakens presented by Tage Turner's They Were Not My Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. Let me hit this.